So excited today to to meet with you guys. I would say to be here, but I'm here and a lot of you guys aren't here, so it makes it less exciting. But man, I'm excited to meet with you. And I'm excited to have this opportunity just to, wherever we are today, share the Word of God and to, and to just um, speak hopefully what He would have us to say today. I do want to say I miss you guys. It's weird not having you here. Like I'm so used to uh, to having you guys here and seeing your face in, in the hallway as we come in and as, at the door and even right now. And that's weird for me, and I know maybe it's weird for you. Um, but, man, um, we can have a great morning anyway. And I just want to say I miss you. I'm so excited that one day, whenever that is, maybe next week, maybe the week after that, we're going to be back in this place. We're going to meet together. To those of you that have never joined us before, welcome. This is kind of overflow, right? And uh, we're glad you can meet with us today, however that's happening for you guys. But man, such an amazing opportunity today to hear from God. And we're going to do that in Isaiah chapter 6. So if you got your Bible, wherever you are, right, just flip open there. We may have it on the wall. I don't really know. I don't even know if you can see it. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. But if you can and it's there, awesome. If not, I'm going to read it for you. But man, I love uh, what God's been speaking last week and to my heart this week. I know it's... um weird days for a lot of us. It's maybe scary for a lot of us. Uh, it's a weird place we live today. Like I went to the store four times this week because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and, and it's, you know, you go in the store and you go to the back where the meat is and there's like no chicken. And I'm 33 years old and I've never lived in an America without chicken. It's just so weird. Um, but, but these are the days we live in, right? And, and we're going to get through them because God's in charge. And that, that's what I want to remind us today. And God, I think, wants to remind us today in Isaiah 6. And as we were leading up towards this morning, I was just praying, God, what would you say? What would you say? And I kind of knew earlier in the week, this is probably the way we we're going to go this week. And, and I just was praying, seeking God, like, what do you want to say to your people this week? And over and over again, like, I don't even think I've thought about Isaiah 6 in, in months, like a I know it's there, but I haven't really been like just meditating on Isaiah 6. I've actually been uh, reading in Second Chronicles, and God was just like, hey, this is the thing today. And man, I'm just trusting God for something amazing from that today. But if you're not familiar with Isaiah, Isaiah is a prophet, a man sent from God to speak God's word uh, to God's people. And in Isaiah 6, we get a little kind of background clues, some context clues on what's going on in the days of Isaiah. And it just starts out in, in the year that King Uzziah died. This is the, the context of the whole story we're about to read. We, we get to see that this is the year that King Uzziah died. Now, maybe you're like me and you're like, who's King Uzziah? Who cares who King Uzziah is? Like, I've never heard of that guy. He's a weird name. Like, Uzziah was the king of Israel for 52 years. And this is the year that Uzziah passed away. If you can imagine Isaiah even if he was 52, 53, 54 years old, like this is probably the only king that he's really ever known. Uzziah reigned for 52 years in Israel over God's people. And it says about him in, in the book that he was a man who followed God, that he led the people to follow God. And Uzziah was a relatively good king and, and, he, and he led the people to follow God. Now that's unusual. I know you would think Israel, God's chosen people, all the kings are probably kings that are leading people towards God. But if you've ever read the Old Testament, that's so not true. There's just a handful of guys that are actually even listening to God, care what God's saying, care what God's thinking, and, and try to lead the people that way. But Uzziah, he was one of those guys. And God, because of that obedience, he, he blessed Uzziah's reign, his, his, his kingdom. 
And during Uzziah's lifetime, those 52 years that he was king, Israel was a prosperous nation, a nation that had wealth, like people would have had wealth. You wouldn't have had to worry like where the food was coming from. You wouldn't have had to worry about going to Food City and them not having chicken, looking at you, Food City. You wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff because for 52 years, that's what you've known. He was also a king that, that had some military success. He was a king that had some power. And during that time, you didn't have to worry about if somebody was going to come in, if you were going to be safe. You didn't have to worry about, like, if, if people were going to invade your kingdom that night. Like, that was just what we were used to for 52 years. 52 years of stability. 52 years of, like, everything's going okay. 52 years of we don't have to worry about where the toilet paper's at. Like, 52 years of I don't have to worry. And then Uzziah dies. And I don't know if you can imagine that or not, but 52 years of the same king, that stability, not having to worry about food, not having to worry about safety. When that comes to an end, that's a scary time. Kind of a time like right now, maybe some of us are living in. If you've been to the grocery store this week, uh, you know, and got freezers full or freezers empty, like maybe that's you. And you're like, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I don't, this is a weird world that we're living in. This is that same moment here, hundreds of years ago in, in the Bible. And Isaiah is in that moment with us today. And he just wants to remind us and he wants to give us that context in, in, in Isaiah 6. Like this is what we're reading about this morning. This moment of fear, worry, doubt, anxiety. That's what we're reading about this morning. And Isaiah wasn't exempt from that. How do you know that? Because it made it into his story, right? Like if, if he didn't worry about it, if it wasn't a big deal, it never would have made it in, but it made it on the page. And that's the moment that we're wading into this morning with Isaiah. This is the year King Uzziah died. And Isaiah is a little depressed. He's a little worried. He's probably never known another king. He's fearful. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And I just want to say that out loud today because I think some of us, people of God, saved, know Jesus, believe that everything's going to be okay. But today, maybe we are worried. And we feel a little crazy about that. Like, am I allowed to be worried and, and, and follow God? Am I allowed to be depressed and follow God? Am I allowed to have anxiety and follow God? And we get in our heads that we can't and that somehow we're bad Christians or bad people because we have these fears and these worries. And that's not true today. Here we have this prophet of God, this man that God sent to speak his word to his people, living in the same moments that we are today, fearful, worried, anxiety. Like that's his reality today. And maybe that's your reality today. And I just want to say, that's okay. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. It's okay to, to worry and to know God. It's okay to have doubt and to know God. It's okay to be fearful and to know God. There's not a conflict there. The conflict comes with what do we do with that moment? See, in that moment, we have the decision to either lean into fear or to lean into God. To believe all the hype and to get in on all the news and to, and to worry and to doubt and to just be drowned in that. Or to cast all that towards somebody who can do something about it. And this is that moment for Isaiah. And it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, this is what he saw. He saw the Lord seated... On a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. Now, where did he see that? The temple. Where did he turn to? To God. Isaiah, prophet of God, has fear. He's a man, right? Reality. We live in this flesh. Has doubt. Has anxiety. 
He's dealing with those things. But when he started dealing with those things, where did he turn? To God. He sought God in this moment. He began to seek God. He went to the temple. I'm just going to say today, if you want to see God, it's probably a good idea that you seek God. There's a lot of us today that, man, we want to see God move. We want to see God move. We want to see God get rid of this thing. Maybe it's before this thing. You want to see God heal your marriage. You want to see God do something in your home, your kids, your life. I just want to say to you today, God will work in those situations. But if you want to see God, you got to seek God. You're not going to see God if all you do is complain and worry. You give in to the fear. You're not going to see God in that. You give in to the doubt. You're not going to see God into that. But if you want to see God, then begin to seek God. That's what Isaiah did. He, he, he was in fear. Uzziah has died. I don't know what's going to go on. I'm used to this comfortable life that I've been living in. And now all that's crumbling. The world's falling apart around me. And where does he turn? He turns to the temple and he begins to seek God. If you want to see God today, open God's word. If you want to see God today, begin to pray, begin to seek him. We got a lot of free time these days, right? Like everything's closed. Sit at home, turn the TV off, open the Bible, begin to pray and see what God will do. Somebody reminded me this week in in, in the Bible, there's moments like these where God says, uh, if if I dry up the rain, if I send the locust, if I send the plague, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... Begin to pray and seek my face, then what? I will heal their land. If we want to see God move, then we got to seek God. That's what Isaiah did. In the year that King Uzziah died, when everything was falling apart, he leaned into God, not into fear. And if I I could say anything to you today, that's what I would say. Lean into God and see what God will do. As a people today, as the church today, gathered wherever we're gathered today, we got to lean into God in this moment because we got to be a light to the world in this moment. He says, seek me and you'll see me. And it says, here's what he saw. He saw the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Went to the temple, thought it was going to be a normal day, probably thought he was going to bow down and pray, and and probably thought he was just going to go through the motions. He was going to do the thing. He was going to get up, and he was going to go home very unchanged, very indifferent. But in unusual days, we see God in unusual ways. I love that. He, he went in. All, everything's going wrong. He's heartbroken, and he goes into the temple of God. He seeks God, and he sees God. Like Not just like, oh, I feel God in my heart, but he physically looks up and sees God. Man, what better opportunity than today if we would seek the Lord, we could see the Lord. In unusual days, we see God in unusual ways. He says he saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. He saw the Lord and the Lord was seated. This is amazing to me. God's not hard at work right now. Uzziah died. God's not freaking out. 52 years of him being king. Everybody's worried. Everybody's freaking out. I don't know where I'm going to get my food from. I don't know where, I don't know if we're going to be safe. You know what God's doing right now? He's sitting on a throne. You know why? He doesn't have to work overtime. God's not kind of in charge or a little bit in charge or maybe kind of going to gain power today over the enemy if we pray enough. God is completely in charge and he's not freaking out today. He's not worried about what's going to happen today. He's not worried about the food city today and the toilet paper today. He's not worried today about jobs. I've heard from some of you this week who you got laid off. God's not worried about that today. He has your back today. He's seated today, but he's seated today on a high and lofty throne. What does that mean? A high, high throne. It's redundant, right? He says the same thing two times, a high, high throne that God is seated on a throne that's high, but it's higher than high. What's he saying? This guy walked in the temple and he was worried because King Uzziah had died. And God says, hey, I'm right where I've always been. Uzziah may have vacated the throne today, but I'm on the throne today. 
And before he was on the throne, I was on the throne. And after he left the throne, I was on the throne. And 100,000 years from now, I'm still going to be on the throne is what God is saying to him. I'm still on the throne. He's worried about who's going to be in charge of Israel. And God's reminding him, I'm in charge of Israel. I'm in charge of everything. I'm on the throne that's above every throne. I'm not like a kind of right there along the line of the president or right there along the line of the king. Like I'm above it all. I'm on the high, high throne. What's he reminding him? He's in charge. I just want you to know that today. God's in charge. God is in charge today. Maybe weird days for most of us. We've never lived in anything like this. We've been blessed, right? Like we, we live in America. Some people maybe are listening to this today from other places and they're like, man, I don't even know what a food city is. And just like God's in charge there, he's in charge here. And he knows what's coming. He knows he's, he doesn't have to scramble to do a backup plan today. Like he is in charge. He is the guy with the plan today. And he's not just trying to eke out power over the enemy today in your life. It's not like a, if I pray enough, then it'll give God the strength to, to, to move mountains in my life. God has all the strength today and he's completely in charge today. And I just want to say that today to maybe some of us that are freaking out, like just take a breath. Like, really? God's in charge. And you can breathe in in peace knowing that he's in charge today. He goes in and he's freaking out because his world's falling apart because, man, headline in the newspaper, it's the year King Uzziah died. And God says, why don't you read this paper? God's still on the throne. He walks in the temple. He sees God. God's sitting on a throne. He's in charge is what he's telling him. I've not left. I'm not old. I'm not weak. Still the guy who breathed out in the stars. Still today, not in panic mode. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could look into heaven today while we're freaking out and God's just, what are you freaking out for? He's not sweating today, wondering what's going to go on in our lives. He's in charge. It says he sees him sitting on a high, high throne. And it says this amazing thing is train filled the temple. Train here is a, you're you're seeing like a wedding dress. Somebody walking down the aisle and they get the big long like thing. And you're like worried that they're going to step on it or somebody else is going to step on it. Or at my sister's wedding, it was that she was going to hit a candle and it was going to fall over and just ignite her. Like that was, that was the thing. You've seen those before, those trains, and this is what it's talking about, this long kind of thing that would follow you. But this word here specifically is the hem of his robe filled the temple. Can you imagine like that little folded up piece of cloth at the end of his robe is the thing that it's talking about filled the temple. Not like a little bitty box or a little bitty place, but like a big old room filled the temple. What is God saying in this? Two things. One, that he's big. God is big today. Whatever you're struggling with today, whatever you're going through today that may seem like a mountain to you or a giant to you, like God's bigger than that. God is bigger than that thing that we're going through right now. But the second thing that he's talking about is this, that he's victorious. I love this because in in this time, in Bible times, like we miss this because we don't know this, like we don't do this anymore. Probably good because it'd be kind of weird, but 
in this moment, in, in this time, like what would happen is if a king went out to battle and he defeated another king, he would go and he would cut off the hem of that king's robe and he would attach it. He would have somebody, probably not him, but he would have somebody sew it onto his robe. And, and the more length, the more train that you have on your robe, it was the sign of more victories. So the, the, more, the longer the train was, the more victorious you are. And what's God saying here to him? I have the victory. He is, in fact, victorious over all of these things. Isn't that amazing? His train filled the temple. Just the hem of his robe, his victories filled the temple. God is victorious today. So he walks in, and in one verse, he went from, I'm so afraid, everything's falling apart in my life. I don't know what's going to go on. In one verse, God says these things. I'm in charge. I'm big, like I'm strong enough. I'm I'm, I'm powerful enough. I'm, I'm big. And I've already won the victory. If we need anything today in the church that's freaking out a little bit, as the people of God who maybe are worried today, what we need to be reminded of is this, that God is in charge, that God is big enough, and that God has already won the victory. And, and, and today, I know maybe that directly applies to us because some of us are in quarantine in our homes, but doesn't it apply every single day? Maybe you're not worried about the coronavirus. You're worried about your marriage or your bank account or your mortgage. Isn't it still true? Maybe you're not worried about the coronavirus, but you're worried about your spouse who doesn't know Jesus or your kids who don't know Jesus. Is it still not true? See, the reality today is no matter what we're going through, like it applies, right? Like you're King Uzziah, whatever's breaking your heart today, this is what God wants to say to you. I'm in charge. I'm big enough to do something about it. And I've already won the victory. Seek me in these unusual days and you will see me in unusual ways. I think that's what God wants to say to us wherever we are today. You don't have to stop seeking God because you can't go out of your house today. You don't have to stop seeking God because you can't come meet in some room today. You can seek God. What better time than now to open up your Bible and read it? Aren't you sick of the news anyway? Like I am. Like I, I, I'm a news person. I watch Fox News. I'm sorry if that destroys me politically for some of you guys. But I watch Fox News all the time. It's what I do. Like anybody that knows me, they joke because I'm like, I'm like an old man. I sit around like a 95-year-old and I just watch Fox News. That's what I do. And I'm sick of it. And it's not them. It's just I'm sick of hearing the depressing news. I'm sick of hearing bad things. Like I'm sick of being afraid. I'm sick of worrying about these things. I'm sick of it. Aren't you? What better day than now to just open up the word of God and see what God says. Let's listen to the news from heaven today. What better day than today to figure out what it feels like to just get on your knees before God and to say, God, I need something in my life. Maybe what God's doing today is he's slowing us down. So we'll quit looking at all these things around us and we'll start looking at him. If we want to see God today, we're going to have to start seeking God today. Isaiah, heartbroken, destroyed, freaking out, went to the temple. And when he got to the temple, God showed up. When you seek God, you will see God. And if you want to seek, see God, you got to seek him. So he walks in and God reminds him of these things. And that's not even the whole story. We're just like one verse in. 
He says, seraphim were standing above him. Seraphim are these angels. It means burning ones. Like I know that we, every time we hear angels, get this idea of like the little Cupid guy, the little baby, the little chubby baby with the diaper on and the wings and the bow. Like That's not this. Seraphims are these winged creatures, and their name actually literally means burning ones. And it says, each one of them had six wings. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but that's probably crazy. And with two of them, he covered his face. This is them saying, I'm not worthy to look at God. These angels who their job is to be before God all day long, who who don't live in sin and, and do whatever, like they just, they stand before God all day long. They're like, I'm not worthy to look at God. What does that mean? They're impressed with this guy. With two, they cover their feet. This is a sign of humility. And with two, they're flying. And what they're doing as they're doing this is that it says in three, and one called to another, or they said back and forth to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. Now, I think we read that and we get this image that like the, these angels just say at one time and they're done. Like they're still singing this song. I just want you to know that. Like, right? Like one of these angels is like, hey, hey, Fred, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then Fred's like, yeah, Dave, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they just go back and forth and they're still doing that today. Isn't it amazing? Everybody we ever see that has seen God is impressed by God. Nobody walks away from God and they're like, eh, he's okay. He's all right. These guys have been before him for like eternity now and and they're flying around every single day. All they do and they're just yelling back and forth to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like they're pepping each other up. It's like a shouting match right now around the throne of God. And it's not because God said, hey, I just want you to stand there. And if you could just forever say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory. Just sing that song over and over and over again. It'll be great. He didn't do that. These guys are so blown away by the God they're standing in front of that, that what they're, they're consumed by is worship. They see God and it leads them not to worry, but it leads them to worship. So even today, they're singing in heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. What's that saying? Holy is a word that we can't relate to because we've never seen it. Like in the dictionary, holy means two things. When it's applied to something that's not God, which is like everything else in all of creation, it means set apart for God. So like that chair can be set apart for God or that camera can be set apart for God or the stand can be set apart for God. I can be set apart for God. You can be set apart for God. God calls us to be set apart for God as his people. But God is not set apart for God. See, in the context of God, it means a totally different thing. And no other creature in the universe has claim to this word. It's not intrinsic or just, it's not in itself to any other creature in the whole universe. You can't look at a star and say it's holy. There's never been a star that's holy. You can't look at a person and say they're holy. See, that word only works in two contexts. Everything that's not God can be holy, set apart for God, or you can be God. And it means a totally different thing. When it's set apart for God, what it means is he's in a class of his own. He's the only one. He's one of a kind. He's the star. He, he's, he, he is in himself so different that he's transcendent. He's above everything else. He's just different. 
and they're singing it all day long. Whoa, there's nobody like this guy. There's nobody like this guy. There's nobody like this guy. I've seen the universe and I've never seen anything like this. I've, I've, I've examined everything in all of creation. I've never seen anything like this guy. There's nothing like this guy. And they're just shouting it in worship for all eternity. Oh my gosh, there's nothing like this God. There's nothing like this God. There's nothing like this God. We need to know that today. In our DNA today has to be this thing. There's nothing like this God. There's nothing like this God. We got to get back to the place where we're impressed by this God. And these angels are singing this, right? Like above, above, above is this God. Beyond expectation is this God. And what is he saying? He's calling Isaiah, Isaiah up. He's calling his view of God up. What he's saying, what the angels are saying to Isaiah is whatever your wildest expectation is of this God will never exceed the reality of this God. That's an amazing truth today. Whatever in your heart is like your wildest imagination of this God will never exceed the reality of who this God is. And not only God, but everything about this God, his love is holy. Whatever your wildest imagination is of his love will never exceed the reality of his love. Whatever your wildest expectation of his grace is, it will never exceed the reality of his grace. That's true about everything about God and God. Everything about God is holy and God himself is holy. What he's saying is you've never seen anything like this guy. I know you've been to the temple like a million times. I know you've prayed a million times. I know you've sang the songs a million times. You have never seen anything like this, God. So they just shout, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And maybe what your translation says, the God of angel armies. And it says his glory fills the whole earth. What it's saying there is the whole earth is evidence of the glory of God. Glory is a word that can mean beauty. Manifest presence or evidence. He's saying when you look at the mountains, the the grandeur of the mountains is evidence that there is a creator God who's, who's great. When you look at the ocean, right, like that is evidence that there is a great God. When you look at me and you and how our bodies work and how if just one little thing was different, we wouldn't work. Like that's evidence of the glory of God. Have you ever thought, like even when you read through Genesis, like there's such order. Like if God would have created something in a different order, it would have never worked out. Because before he made things to eat food, he created the food chain. He's like, do you you really believe all this is chance? Everything is evidence of the glory of God. If one little thing was different on our planet today, there would be nothing on our planet today. It's all evidence. It's evidence that there is this God. When you look at the world, it's evidence of the beauty of God. That's what these guys are just singing even today. And this is the scene that Isaiah finds himself in. And it says, when he sees this, the foundations and the doorways shook at the sound of their voices. These beings, as they speak, it shakes the whole temple. And the temple was filled with smoke. Can you imagine that scene? They're, 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 they're just shouting and, and, and such power as they, as they move their voices. Like the, the temple is actually shaking and, and they're there worshiping this God. If they're that powerful, how powerful is this being, this God? And this is what Isaiah says in 5. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Isn't it amazing he starts with woe? 
He sees this God. He's like, oh my gosh, whoa. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, I've never thought that this was a thing. Like I didn't know that this would ever happen to me. This is above my expectations. This is more than I thought. This is more than I expected. Like this is that God, whoa. And it immediately turns to, I am ruined. Or maybe your translation says, I am undone. But what it means is I am dead. Woe is me. I shouldn't be here, is what he's saying. I shouldn't be here. I should not be allowed to be here. I shouldn't be blessed enough to be here. I shouldn't be allowed to be in this room. And that's true for us today. We shouldn't be allowed to call on Jesus, but we can. We shouldn't be allowed to open his word, but we can. It's privilege, and he's privileged to be in this place. And he gets in this place with God, and his immediate thought is, he's, he's going to kill me now. I'm not good enough to be here. Maybe some of us have felt that way before. I can't, I can't come to church, or I can't come around God, or I prayed that prayer, but then I turned away from God, and I left, and he doesn't want me back. And, and maybe we've felt that way before. Maybe we can uh, relate to Isaiah here in this moment. And, and that's what he says. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be killed, obviously. I shouldn't be here. And he goes on, he says, because I'm a man of unclean lips, he starts to confess his sin prophet of God starts confessing his sin, right? Like I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. God's job for me is to speak, but my lips are unclean. Isn't that amazing? He's obviously a sinner. God's still using him. Obviously he makes mistakes. It doesn't count him out in, in God. The very thing that is his weakness, God's using as his strength. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he goes on, he says, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He says, well, we're all sinners. There's this reality today that he realizes in, in seeing God that, man, nobody's good. I'm not good. You're not good. None of us are good. Starts to confess his sin. See, when we see God, it leads us to a place of repentance. Man, wouldn't that be an amazing thing if we could get to that place where we just seek God and God leads us to a place in the next day, in the next couple weeks of repentance? He says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And he says, and because my eyes have seen the king, not King Uzziah. My eyes have seen the king, the one and only king above every other king, the guy who's in charge today. I've seen it. The Lord of hosts or the God of angel armies. He sees God and it leads him to a place of repentance. If, if we've seen God, we end up in that place. He says, I shouldn't be here. And six, it says, then one of the seraphim, one of the burning ones, not again, the little angel baby thing, but like this six winged thing starts flying towards him. Now, if you just said, God's going to kill me. And then an angel with six wings starts flying towards you. You're probably pretty sure that this is the moment, right? And the seraphim flies toward him. And it says in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. So this angel flies down to the altar and, and, and he takes the, the coal out of the altar with these tongs and he starts flying toward him. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm doomed. Like this is it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm done. I'm a goner. Like this is the moment. You thought we were worried about the king. Now we're worried about our life. Like this is a totally different situation. I've seen God and I realize I'm in sinner. I start expressing that. And it says that he flew over to him and he touched his mouth with it. And he said this, now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. God's not interested today in killing you. He's interested today in healing you. 
This angel flies down, and it's no coincidence that he takes a coal off the altar as he goes towards him. What, what is that? Well, the coal represents fire, right? And fire has a job. Fire purifies, burns out all the impurities. Like, that's what it does. That's what fire is for. And he takes it from the altar. What is that? It's a place of sacrifice. He's going to purify him through sacrifice. What is this? It's a representation hundreds of years before the gospel would live on this planet, before Jesus would step out of heaven. We're seeing God sharing the gospel with Isaiah. He says, I'm going to purify you with a sacrifice. And when that happens, your wickedness is going to be removed. See, from repentance comes purification. I just want to say to you today, like that, that's this image of Jesus. So what is he doing? He's sharing the gospel with him. Jesus is going to be that sacrifice, right? Not some lamb on an altar, not some bull on an altar, but the son of God on a cross. And in the same way as it works for him, it works for us. What does he do? He sees God and as he sees God, he begins to repent. I'm a sinner. He even says for us, because we don't want there to be any confusion today. That's true for everybody. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. We are all sinners today. If you don't get anything else, we're all sinners today. There are no good people. There's church people, but there are no good people. We're all sinners, and sin makes us not bad people, but dead people. Ephesians 2. And as a dead person, we can't do anything to make ourselves alive. That's a God thing. God shows himself to us. We see him. And the first step is repentance. I am a sinner. Like you just, we have to say that out loud. We have to begin to confess our sins. I'm a man of unclean lips. And as we begin to confess our sins, we have to trust that Jesus, the son of God, is that sacrifice that he stepped out of heaven. He came to earth. He died on a cross. He took my sin, my shame, my guilt. And that was enough. We have to believe that he was enough. We have to ask him, God, forgive me for my sins. God, save me. God, do something in me. God, uh, I'm a dead man. I'm a sinner and I'm a dead man. There's nothing I can do without you and I need you. And I need you. I need you to save me. I need you to do something in me that's greater than me. I can't make myself alive, but you can make me alive. I, I'm not a bad person. I'm a dead person and I need a savior today. I need somebody to do something in me today. I need somebody to resurrect something in me. And I believe, Jesus, that's you. And we admit that we're a sinner and we confess that with our mouth. And then we turn our attention to Jesus Christ, the Lord. And we say, God, I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you. I want to give my life to you. I want to live for you. And God does that purifying work in us and he will save you. He will save you. Just like he did for Isaiah right here. And he burns his lips. See, the truth is God doesn't want to hurt any of us today. He wants to heal us today. That's why he sent Jesus from heaven to be that sacrifice. And even in Isaiah 6, we're seeing hundreds of years before Jesus would ever come, God's pointing people to his son. He touched his mouth with it and he said, Now this has touched your lips and your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. And wouldn't it be amazing if God was saying that to people right now in this moment? I'm a sinner and I need you, God. 
I believe that, Jesus, you're enough. I believe that your death on the cross took my sin and my shame, and I'm a new person in you. I believe that I can have life in you. Isn't it amazing if you could just hear God say to you right now, hey, your wickedness has been removed. And on the cross, your sin, it was atoned for. So he sees God. God saves him. And then God says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send? Okay, there's two angels and Isaiah in the temple, right? He says, who should I send? Who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say? Here I am. Send me. When we see God and we're saved by God, we are sent by God. We're sent by God to go and tell the story that we've just seen. He's in this temple and he sees God and everybody, not, Isaiah's not the only person freaking out. He sees God in this freak out. He sees God on a high, high throne. He sees God and he's big and his train, his victory fills the temple. He sees God being worshiped and then God does something in his life. And in that moment that he seeks God, he sees God and he's saved by God. And then he's sent by God. Just like we are today. See, for those of us today, church, in your living room and church and your bedroom and church in the kitchen today or wherever you are, if you know Jesus, then you've been sent by Jesus to the world. You've been sent by Jesus today to to those people around you that right now are in that dark moment of, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. Oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. Oh my gosh, everything's gone. My 401k's gone. My stocks are gone. I can't find chicken at the food city. Everything's falling apart. You've been sent to those people. Those people who don't know today that there's a God who's in charge. Those people who don't know today that there's a God who's big enough, who has this, who's in control, and they don't have to worry. You know that God, and God has sent you to share the story of how you come to know that God. Wherever you are today, I'm just praying that God puts people on your hearts, even right now, that when this is done, you need to shut the phone off, and you need to pick it up, and you need to call them, and you need to say, hey, I'm just checking on you today. I love you. Are, you. are you lonely? Do you want to talk for a few minutes? There's some people today who have no access to the outside world today. They're shut off. Our, our, our seniors in our society, they're in, they're in maybe the hospital today or nursing homes today, and they can't have visitors today. And maybe you need to call one of them and you need to say, hey, I love you and I'm thinking about you and I want you to know today God loves you and he's thinking about you, he sees you. And you may be alone in that room, but God's with you. See, if we've seen God, then we've been sent to share. So what are we going to do? Well, in just a second, we're going to pray. All of us, wherever we are, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask two things from God. One, that he would shut this thing down quickly. We believe that God's big. He's in charge. He's got all the victory. And I'll let you know, I'm tired of being in the house. And I'm praying that God shuts this thing down selfishly. I just don't want to be in there. But two, because I know that, man, this could be potentially hazardous for some people. And I don't want to see that. And I believe that God's in charge. But two, what we're going to do is we're going to pray God right now puts people on our heart that we need to make contact with. As soon as this is over, we need to call them and say, hey, I love you. I want you to know God loves you. 
This is not a time to be scared to share the gospel. We could be scared of a lot of things, but this is not a time to be scared to share the reality of the love of God. So we're going to pray. Two, this week, we're going to seek God. We're going to commit right now to God. I'm going to open my Bible this week, and I'm going to seek you because I believe in unusual days. I can see you in unusual ways. I believe, God, you want to speak to me right now. You've shut everything down, so I have to speak to you, and I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to seek you, and I want you to show up. We're going to commit this week to pray more than we did last week and to read more than we did last week. We're going to commit this week to to, to seek God in these moments. He's given us time. What are we waiting on? And three, we're going to commit this week to be light to people living in darkness. For a lot of us, this is the darkest time in, in society, at least, that we can remember. We've not had to deal with this before. We've not had to be around this before. And we're living in this moment with a whole world that feels just like you do. And God has sent us to be light. And what good is a light if it's hidden under a basket? He says, I called you to be salt and light to the world, a city on a hill. And this week, we gotta be that. If if you need to send a card to somebody or call somebody or reach out or go get groceries for somebody, you, you need to do that. But you need to make sure when you do that, they know you love them. You love him because God loves him. Amen. What would God do in and around us? We may be thanking God for this thing in a week. We may be saying, God, that's the biggest blessing you've ever given the church in a couple weeks. If we would seek God today, 